Hello, and welcome to PathPod. I'm Dr. Mike Arnold of Children's Hospital Colorado, and this is our next edition of the PathPod Quiz Show. Today, our hosts, Dr. Sarah Jang of Duke Health and Dr. Christina Arnold of the University of Colorado, are joined by our guests, Dr. Kamran Mirza of Loyola University Chicago Health Science Stritch School of Medicine, Dr. Michael Williams of SUNY Upstate Medical University, and Cullen Lilly, Pathelective.com co-founder and incoming M2, also of Loyola University Chicago Health Sciences Stritch School of Medicine. Now here's your hosts, Dr. Arnold and Dr. Jang. Welcome to the PathPod Quiz Show. Hey, friends. Yay. Hi. Right. This week, we are very excited to have three very, very special and brave guests with us. We have Dr. Kamran Mirza from Loyola. We have Dr. Michael Williams. We have our very brave medical student, Colin Lilly, and we're just so thrilled to have everyone here to play our slightly nerdy, really nerdy, incredibly nerdy games. So welcome, everybody. Welcome, friends. Yes, thank you for having us on. Looking forward for fun ahead, so awesome. This is an extra special episode because Colin and Dr. Mirza are working on this amazing project. Maybe you guys could tell us a little more about it. Sure. I mean, it's not just Cullen and me. It is a bunch of you guys, too. So July 1st, we are very excited to present everyone in the world an amazing new uh, website, pathelective.com. It is a free website that uh, basically is crowdsourcing all sorts of amazing pathology material that is going to be useful for our medical students. I'm sure it will be useful for graduate students and also for residents. And I have to give a huge shout out to Cullen, who is, I'm so excited that we're on the show together today, uh, because he is one of my medical students at uh, Stritch School of Medicine here at Loyola University Chicago. And he's literally been the force and the heart behind the website. Colin, tell us, tell us about you meeting Dr. Mirza. Yeah, um, so I think it all started back like the first week of school. He sent out an e-blast to the M1s and he was like, hey, we're having a pathology interest group meeting. And um, <laughs> afterward we talked and then everything, like one thing led to another. I started doing research with the pathology department, pathology and lab medicine department. Then we started working on this project. I think it all kind of grew out of this whole COVID social distancing you know, because I was supposed to be doing research in the pathology department at Loyola. Now we're here, you know, uh, I started kind of looking at, like working on the website and then things just took off. And now we have so many contributors. We have a ton of different modules and courses and we're really excited about it. So Conrad, when did you have this idea? To be honest with you, I think that this was just in a way, it's probably in a phase, it's a phased idea in that you know, I direct our elective here and I've always felt the need to supplement our education by way of like, you know, some sort of an online module. Now, all of a sudden with social distancing and our campuses closing down, I mean, I, I didn't want that our students lose the opportunity to rotate through pathology. And so I wanted to somehow create something where we could make it relatively in person, like personal. Uh, and so I think that breaking it out into modules kind of did that with all of our um, course directors or module directors. Um, they all kind of give not only the outline of what they need to learn, what the students need to know, but also kind of give a little bit of background about themselves. It's free. Why wouldn't people want to just go to it and go through the modules? You give us an idea of the scope in terms of how many faculty are involved, how many modules. Absolutely. So everybody can go to bathelective.com and our team is there. It's like literally over 50 people. And I know that wow. we're going to probably have more 
uh, and it's all modular. So you can click into a module and go over it. It's been curated in a way that should really, you know, flow very well uh, from beginners to intermediate knowledge to even advanced learners. There's something there for everybody. But yeah, it's basically Herculean. It's more than 50 people. So it's amazing. And what day does it go live? July 1st. Bravo, friends. And I love that it covers anatomic, clinical, forensics, the whole gamut. So there's no excuse not to check out pathology. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that it's an opportunity for all of us, even though we're distancing socially and our meetings are canceled, to still connect virtually and make things that are going to help move the field forward and hopefully reach out to prospective students interested in pathology. And that's really what we're trying to do with this podcast, too, is show off the stories of pathologists, um, show off our personality somewhat, you know, make the field of pathology a little bit more fun and accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm. Do you guys feel like playing some pathology games? Rene! All right. So, Dr. Williams, we are going to start with you. And first off, Dr. Williams, please tell us a little bit about yourself. So, for those who are listening, I'm Michael Williams. Uh, on Twitter, Blue Hat Comics 85. So I actually started uh, medis- medical school at Buffalo. Um, I did my undergraduate uh, grad school for like a master's degree and did a year of surgery there actually for switching wow. into pathology. Uh, and it was interesting because I didn't know much. I mean, I was interested in pathology as a medical student. And there was, I would say, two of us. And one of us actually went the path of pathology first year of residency, I went more surgery because I was really interested in the anatomical, I guess, portion of medicine. And then throughout that year, I just realized that I really liked the diagnostic portion. The lab was like a black box and a mystery. And I was just like, what exactly is the lab? Uh, So I was able to do an elective uh, in my uh, pathology department in Buffalo. And it was amazing. And I loved it. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So I decided to switch. And it was, it was one of the best decisions I have ever done. I say for medical students or anybody who's listening, um, I know pathology, I, I think, gets a bad rap in a way because of the fact that in the first two years, it's, it's like Robbins and everybody thinks that's what pathology is, unfortunately. And so you take step one, it's like, that's it, pathology is that. But it is so much more, it's integrated into every aspect of medical treatment for patients and like how much responsibility pathologists have too. You can really impact a patient's life if you're seeing a patient through transfusion medicine or even helping diagnosing for medical students listening. So I really have enjoyed the time I've spent currently a third year resident, fourth year. Future-wise, I'm doing neuropathology at University of Alabama, and then I'm going to finish that off with forensics at the Allegheny Pittsburgh. Oh, what a great combination. We're so glad that we were able to lure you away from surgery because you have a wonderful part of our field and your enthusiasm is amazing and you're such a great Twitter presence. So I definitely feel like we've gained uh, and it's their loss. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I have to say, though, that, you know, just from a, a, a standpoint of like, you know, how people enter, I mean, this isn't like an uncommon story, right? No. Like there's so many people who were thinking of surgery or were thinking of like, the anatomical aspect yeah. and now they're in the gross room. I, I love it. I think that's so great. Okay. I have a couple questions. What did you do your master's in? So I went to Roswell Park in Buffalo, New York has a interdisciplinary scientist pathway. So I was able to take some classes, cancer or cancer oncology, like basic science classes that way. And then I had to finish the program, like defending a thesis for a project that I've done. 
Um, and that was so many years ago. But it was really interesting because I got to see kind of the, the basic science aspect more than just reading about it like in a textbook or just hearing others discuss their research. So it was interesting to kind of be in that research, to be in the research environment and, and, and really see how the background scenes of how science is progressing or how labs actually come up with ideas and then push those theories mm-hmm. forward, how they evolve from there. So that was, that was a master's degree. And then afterwards, I worked for a couple of years as a project coordinator, but then went to Buffalo for medical school. So I guess I'm one of, I am one of those non-traditional students who didn't go straight through It was a different experience, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. So tell me, how did you shift gears from surgery to pathology? I mean, what was the decision point there? Yeah, so so I actually helped to start a pathology interest group in in medical school. And um, it was just the two of us, but we we tried. And I remember third year in medical school when I was rotating, one of the residents I had was a surgery resident. And I guess for me, it was interesting to see, like, you can actually, the pathophysiology is a way to describe it. And seeing patients and the decisions they made weren't just based on if you cut here, then that's oh, it. Like, you know, okay. they, they would actually describe why they're doing it or how they would approach a procedure and then what they would look for in the surgical ICU. So I just found that fascinating. And I, they were talking to me throughout the year and it was just like, you should go surgery, do surgery. So it was like, all right, I'll do surgery because I, it was, <laughs> I was like, I can't wait to be able to take care of patients that way. Uh, and then I did surgery. I started my first year, and it was a year. And I, one of my was it five years in one year? <laughs> <laughs> five years. Oh, so I, bad. I say that. Don't listen to me. Don't. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I mean, the first year I've I've met some I've met great surgical colleagues, and I still keep in contact with some of them, and they're finishing their their residency. But the turning point for me. I wanted to do trauma surgery. So this is third year of medical school. I was like, trauma surgery, this is what I'm doing. I can't wait because all the adrenaline at night. And I really, really love just the acute of what's happening, what's going on. But unfortunately, patients, uh, when patients came in and they just didn't survive, and they were pronounced, the nurses would come in, get one of the bags, and like the person's going to the morgue. I was like, what does that mean, the morgue? You know, it was like, well, they t- they're going to take it to pathology. And so that reignited in my head, pathology, okay. Uh, And so I was able to, again, like talk to my program director then and say, can I do a rotation in pathology I'm interested in? I got to see autopsies, I got to see frozen sections, and I got to see what some of the CP issues were, management. And like I gave this talk in one of the the autopsies I, I was able to be a part of, and it was like one of the... Uh, the way it was set up was like a Tuesday morning conference about like what you find grossly microscopically. And I absolutely loved it. I was just like, all right, well, I'm doing pathology for oh, sure. Fantastic. I love forensics. I loved anatomy. So forensics for sure. And neuropathology had a great neuropathologist worked here at SUNY Upstate. Sorry for those who don't know, I'm at SUNY Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. Um, and they really were forefront of teaching and try to get us involved in neuropathology. So that's how my path basically goes. So yeah, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. That's so. That's such a wonderful story. Thank you. That's what another is. really good sign too that you're interested in pathology. If you're on your trauma rotation yeah. and you're more interested in figuring out what happened to the last patient that died, you're probably going to be a pathologist. And I had that experience as well as a medical student. But I remember thinking, "Gosh, what happened to that guy that they just died? Let's go right. figure it out." You know, That's no, right. they were on to the next. You know. So your Twitter handle, Mike, is Blue Hat Comics eighty five. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So when I um, 
When I came to SUNY Upstate as a first year resident, some of the senior residents actually were talking about social media. And I believe for me, that was when this was first year 2017. And I was seeing that social media was becoming such a big thing. I uh, had a blue hat in college and then part of medical school too. I was born in 85 and I really like comic books. So I just put those all together, kind of report my two words, and that became my Twitter handle. Throughout the years, I see everybody has like much more professional looking names. And I'm just like, I should probably change my name. No, no. All right. We love it because it tells us more about you as a person. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I, I decided to, to keep it. So I think we're about ready to do our first game. And, you know, before we get started, I just wanted to put out a reminder for our contestants and our listeners at home of what's at stake here. Our three brave contestants are playing for not just eternal honor and glory and the ability to put one a pathology-themed quiz show game on a pathology podcast on their CV, which obviously is a line item that everybody wants and is going to really make you stand out from the crowd. But mm-hmm. also, you will be playing for a limited edition, handcrafted, exclusive, clear path pod ruler. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, you will be the envy of your friends and, and enemies. And enemies. <laughs> so the stakes, the stakes are high, folks. All right. This is what you're playing for. We have a very, very special game for Dr. Williams, and I love that you said portmanteau because this game has a little bit of that going on. And because of your love of anatomy and also the fact that you're your Blue Hat Comics on Twitter and I knew you like comic books, we have a very special book-themed game for you, albeit not entirely comic books. We have some okay. of classic literature. We have some comic Ooh. characters in there as well. And this game is called <laughs> Organizing Your Bookshelf. <laughs> I love the name. <laughs> so, I love the so, name. Okay. Yes, yes, we are all about the terrible puns. And by we, <laughs> I mean me. So each of the answers is going to contain a, an anatomy-related word combined with the title of a book or comic book title, thus ruining both a classic work of literature and your understanding of the human body. Let me give you an example. So for example... If I gave you the clue, a prototype for the dystopian novel, Aldous Huxley's work set in a future world tells the story of a convoluted intracranial organ responsible for thought and movement, forging a path in a society whose citizens are kept docile by soma. The answer would be brain new world because the Aldous Huxley novel is Brave New World and the intracranial organ is brain. So clear as mud. I'll try and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) And like I said, I did I did put some comic book references in there for you as well. And again, all for fun. We're going to play together. We're going to work it out. And feel free to talk it out if you know what the organ is. All right. First question. In this Alexander Dumas tale, it's all for one and one for all. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis join forces with a mediastinal organ 
to produce immune progenitor cells to battle infection. Unfortunately, their powers involute once the friends hit puberty, and they turn into predominantly adipose tissue, leading to the dissolution of their fighting core. So we're talking about thymus. Yes. And if I was to come up with a theme or a title, I would say the three thymateers. Oh yes! my God! Yes! Oh, wow! Amazing! I Amazing! Am. You are on it. You are on it. All right. Wow. Oh. All right. Next one. You're on a roll. Peter Parker got a little tired of slinging webs around New York City, so he decided to work on developing the powers of the bone comprising the lower portion of his jaw, creating a superhero with arachnid and extra chewing powers and now goes by this moniker, terrorizing competitive eating contests around the country. The Amazing Spider-Mandible. Exactly! Oh, oh, dang! Oh, dang! Yes. I was wow. like, wait, the Amazing Mandible? That wouldn't make sense. Boring. <laughs> Spider-Mandible. I'm impressed. What you have not term. used any phone of friends. You've got no, this all you're your doing own. Amazing. You are you're a doing boss. amazing. And my clues have been really, really convoluted. <laughs> I may have had a little bit too much fun with this one. You ready for the next one? I'm you're ready. On a roll. You're on a roll. All right. Next question. Oh, what fools these mortals be. In this riff on Shakespeare's classic comedy, fairies and humans intertwine, like red pulp and white pulp, to create confusion, laughter, and remove damaged red cells from the circulation. How jolly life would be without it? No. Without it, you would be left with howl jolly bodies. So we're talking about the spleen. Yes. Uh, a midsummer oh. night spleen. You are killing it. This was you definitely the game. Having, I have a headache. Ooh, I'm yeah. so stressed over here. And I've got the answers. <laughs> this game was made you for you. Amazing. You um, are doing amazing. Amazing. Oh, bravo. All right. Guys, I love it. You are three for three. We got another one with a comic book one. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> all right. Step aside, Hugh Jackman. In this Marvel-ish comic strip, our mutant hero battles the forces of evil with enhanced healing abilities, hypertrophic glomeruli, and collecting ducts. Bad guys beware. If his adamantium claws don't get you, the complicated physiology that is the bane of medical students will definitely blow you away. Ooh, how do I put these together? Um... Wolver kidney? <laughs> Very close. Yes. Wolverino? Yes. Wow. Yes. Is that you it? it. Wow. <laughs> you are so, are so good. good. You're awesome. doing so well. So oh my horrible. god. I'm so bad at puns though. That's no, no. Actually, <laughs> I'm I'm bad it. at puns. You are killing Ooh. it, and you are definitely encouraging my bad punmanship. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It is all about Blue Hat Comics, and you are four for four. You are doing great, and this is the last one. And okay. it's a little bit tricky because we are going to go back to a classic work of French literature. Okay. Yes. 
Flaubert weaves a cautionary tale of one of two paired organs who falls prey to her dreams of romance in order to escape the banalities and emptiness of provincial life in France. This pelvic organ lives beyond her means, piles up debt, and tragically dies at the end of the tale by arsenic, not torsion. Is it the Canterbury ovaries? It, the Canterbury ovaries. I love it. It is the ovary. Oh, Madame Bovaries. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> this was the most challenging one, but you have done so amazingly. Wow. You are five for five. And do you know what that means? That means <gasps> that you have won your very own limited edition PathPod ruler. <laughs> Put it on your desk. How oh, that's you amazing, guys. How do you feel? Good. That was that was awesome. I was worried at first. I was like, classic literature. Oh no. But it was it was really good. It was really good. Sarah, that was awesome. I have to say those clues and those, that was just amazing. It was I'm amazing. so glad I wasn't doing it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, it's so much more fun to write the questions. <laughs> but yes, you did amazing. Congratulations. Thank you, Congratulations, guys. Dr. Yes. Williams. We are so impressed. Thank you, everyone. All right. Well, welcome to the Boards Game Medical Student segment. We have Colin Lilly. Welcome, Colin. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you all? Good. Tell us where you're from. Um, well, right now I'm in Atlanta, where I grew up, but I'm originally from New Orleans, and we moved here. I basically grew up in Atlanta here for a while while social distancing is going on, and then we'll be back up in Chicago, I think, in October. So what's it like to be a medical student during the COVID crisis? It's definitely different. I'm glad that I'm in my pre-clinical years, at least. Uh, so most of the classwork can be done online. But, you know, I do miss the in-person interaction, and I really miss seeing all my colleagues and friends. How are your friends who are doing clinical services? How are, what are they doing right now? Um, I believe they're going back at the beginning of July. Okay. Yeah. How did you pick medicine? Originally, you know, like my mom was in healthcare. She did healthcare uh, management. So she was doing healthcare management. And then later on, my sister ended up going into physical therapy. And, you know, I really like looked up to them too, as like my mom and my sister were like my best friends. And I really loved what they did. And I also got some more exposure from them. And then in undergrad, I did a lot of shadowing and I kind of got to see which areas of medicine I liked. I think research was probably one of the bigger things that pushed me towards doing medicine. I was doing joint research in undergrad, looking at RA and uh, inflammation in the joint and the different inflammatory cells and the cell types. And I love molecular biology and I loved the uh, histology that we were doing. And I thought that was really awesome. So then moving out of that, going into uh, after undergrad, I was, you know, working as a microbiologist and seeing the lab side of things was really interesting. And then coming to Loyola, I started meeting with Dr. Mirza and now it's kind of just taken off and it's, a, it's been a great time. If you couldn't be in medicine, what career would you pick and why? Mm, let's see. I guess growing up, I always said I wanted to be an artist, but I'm not good at art at all. <laughs> so I think I, in high school, I was like in marching band and I did 
some like musicals and things like that, which was fun. And so I think like the theatrical arts and the music was always fun. Um, but I think I like science too much. So I'd probably end up doing some kind of research if I wasn't in medicine. But yeah, I think that's basically it. It's interesting. I think there are a lot of artists in pathology and part of it, I mean, for me at least, is it feels, and I think Kamran said this too, is it feels like we go to the museum every day. It's like visually, it's so beautiful. And pathologists often think in images. You're not alone. There are a lot of artists in pathology. And bravo to you. You're doing a lot of great work. A lot of people around the world are benefiting from it, including the faculty members who get to help out. And we're just so proud to be able to contribute and, and be a part of what you and Dr. Mercer are creating. No, so, I'm I super to lucky. It's, you. it's been amazing. And thank you for that. And, you know, I think this whole ride has been challenging for sure, but it's been transformative and it's offered so many different opportunities for me to explore even the different subspecialties in pathology before I even get exposed to it. And, you know, I'm learning and I'm building this website with Dr. Mirza and it's just, it's really fun. And I get to meet all these amazing pathologists from across the country. It's amazing. So in today's medical student quiz show segment, I will read you five board style questions. Provide the correct answer and you win a point. Win enough points and you win a prized PathPod clear ruler, the envy of your friends and enemies. Ready to play? I guess so. Here we All go. All right, here we go. <laughs> Question number one. A patient has a history of esophageal obstruction. Clinical studies showed a triad of incomplete lower esophageal relaxation, increased lower esophageal sphincter tone, and a peristalsis of the mm -hmm. esophagus. The resection specimen shows a fibrotic esophagus with a very narrow lower esophageal segment and has proximal esophageal dilatation. Histology shows dense fibrosis throughout the wall of the esophagus. What is the underlying disease? A, Barrett, B, achalasia, C, eosinophilic esophagitis, or D, CMV infection? I'm gonna have to go with achalasia. Okay, Achalasia for a point. You are correct. Wonderful. So you have one point. Let's move on to question two. And by the way, this theme I picked was based on Achalasia. I wanted to really have a deep dive in one of my favorite topics. So here we go for number two. Do you know the name when Achalasia is secondary to a particular infection? Option A, Chagas disease. B, Sjogren's. C, Merriweather disease. D, Kikuchi. I guess I'll have to go with Chagas. You got it. It's Chagas. Does anybody know what Merriweather disease is? No. I made idea. that one up. Doesn't it sound real though? <laughs> oh. oh no. <laughs> what a disappointment. Wouldn't it, be great? Wouldn't it be great if we were all like, oh yeah, we know what Merriweather disease is. <laughs> <laughs> the flora syndrome, the fauna triad, and Merriweather disease. <laughs> right? I just love it. It feels so poetic to me. I feel like I could write oh, a poem. Question number three. Do you know what infection causes Chagas disease? Our answer choice A, Helicobacter, B, Candida, C, Herpes, D, Trypanosoma cruzi. I'm going to have to shout out to my parasitology professor from undergrad, and I'm going to have to say that that is Trypanosoma cruzi. You got it, my friend. You are three for three. We are chugging right along. That's right. Trypanosoma cruzi is a causative agent of Chagas disease. All right. 
Question number five. This is true or false. In Chagas disease, only the esophagus can be affected. That is false. Correct. You can have cardiomegaly and megacolon as well. Fantastic. Yeah. So Chagas doesn't just limit it to the esophagus. Um, it also, in terms of the GI tract, can affect the small bowel colon. All right. We are four points and going on to five. Question five. Achalasia-like changes can be caused by all of the following except A, spicy meals, B, diabetes, autonomic neuropathy, C, malignancy, D, amyloid. Hmm. I don't know this one for sure. Um, no, I don't. That's all right. The answer is A, spicy meals was just a distractor. I think how I would think about it is that in diabetes, it can impact and damage nerves. You can imagine it might be mm. something similar to Chagas and affect how the sphincter works. And then yeah. malignancy and amyloid, anything that can infiltrate the wall of the esophagus, like a cancer or amyloidosis, might present mm. similarly. So that's kind of interesting. Mm. Um, I'm going to give you a bonus point, though. Question number six. Treatment for achalasia includes all the following except A, myomotomy, which is kind of like splain the muscles. B, radiation, C, dilatation, D, Botox injection to the LES. I have to go with radiation. Very good. Wouldn't that be terrible to radiate someone who already had issues with their esophagus? Congratulations, Cullen. You have earned enough points to win a coveted PathPod Clear Ruler. You are now going to be the envy of all your friends and enemies. Tell us, Cullen, now that you have won the PathPod Quiz Show Med Student Edition, what are you going to do next? Probably go to Taco Bell. <laughs> Get a whole bag of tacos. Now, I want Taco Bell. I don't even Me think too. there's one in my area. How disappointing. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Do they do they have the cheese fries too? Like the fries with the side of cheese? Oh, the nacho <gasps> fries! Oh, oh that sounds so good. Yes, yes. Well, you know, now that we know that spicy food doesn't cause achalasia, you know, we yeah. can consume it. Go crazy, guys! Get <laughs> those fries. On. <laughs> that was wonderful. Good job, Colin. It's time for our Bluff the Guest game with our special guest, Dr. Mirza. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a hematopathologist. I'm uh, in one of the Chicago suburbs at Loyola University Hospital. And I love medical education. And I hope everybody checks out pathelective.com. I have three girls. My wife is a pulmonary critical care physician. And like Cullen, I also wanted to be an artist before I became a pathologist. And yeah, I love what I do every day. So I'm, I'm actually curious. So we've, we've talked about, you know, you, that you love art. Um, was that what you wanted to do when you were a kid? Like when you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Mm. Architect, for sure. I wanted to be an architect. That was like my dream. And basically I applied to an art school and a medical school. My parents are both physicians. And contrary to the South Asian stereotype, they actually did not want me to become a physician. Wow. Yeah, they wanted me to like just kind of explore all options. I, I always used to joke that my dad had a friend who was an architect and he would like drive by his office and be like, do you want to just go meet uncle so-and-so, you know, hang out at his <laughs> office? Because he really wanted to, you know, kind of promote this idea that I wanted to develop the architectural thing. So actually, like the um, so my parents live in Pakistan, and the house that they live in, I actually helped draw up. To, wow! Know, I had like, drawn it up, 
I didn't know how to do like the plumbing and the electricity because <laughs> I was just like pre minor details. Minor that's details. Right. That's right. I mean, and they obviously had a proper architect, but I was the one who drew that up. In any oh case, oh my gosh! So I applied to two schools. I got into both schools, and then I was very confused. And uh, ultimately, I realized that art for me is more of a hobby. I don't think I could produce. Mm. unbelievably amazing and inspirational works of art or architecture like on demand uh, and so to me the calling was medicine tell us what kind of doctors are your parents so my dad is a cardiologist and my mom is a gp so they were they trained in england so gp is a general practitioner uh, and she doesn't practice anymore she actually went back to school on her 60th birthday she you know she's in a phd program and like she's doing all of these amazing things uh, and my dad actually works for a pharmaceutical company now now did they not want you to go into medicine or were they just trying to nurture what you were sh- inclinations you were trying to show uh-huh. i think they just wanted to be sure you know because they knew yeah. how much hard work goes into it and like the obviously the rewards are this you know tremendous but they wanted to make sure that i was making the decision for the right reason i i do i, I appreciate that though now what about when you look at your children what approach do you take to them do you hope they do medicine do you not hope they do medicine i've told them that they can do whatever they want I I would obviously they can do whatever they want anyway but like you know I guess my advice to them is to do something that is associated with some sort of a professional degree so that so that they can stand on their own two feet I don't know if that advice like that age old advice is going to be the same you know the future is very different medicine is going to be very mm. different but you know so they have two examples of physicians my wife i mentioned is a pulmonary critical care physician and i'm a pathologist and so we do very different types of medicine so they have like that whole okay spectrum to look at i don't know maybe 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 not we'll see what ends up happening all right so kamran are you ready to play your very own game and for the listeners just a reminder the way this will work is our special guests will each give Dr. Mirza, two truths and a lie. And Dr. Mirza will have to figure out which of these is the lie. Kamran, are you ready for your game? And Mike and Colin, are you guys ready to bluff Dr. Mirza? <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, so two truths and a lie. So I'll just go through them. You tell me which one you think is the lie. One, I have two middle names. Two, uh, when I entered medical school, I wanted to go into family medicine. Three, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, you were not born in Brooklyn, New York. Yes, I was born in the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How'd you know that, Comrade? How'd you know? You said that answer so quickly. I, so I was like trying to jot notes down like a nerd. And, uh, <laughs> and I, assumed, <laughs> I assumed that the two middle names make sense. And he just told us that he wanted to be a surgeon. So it couldn't be family medicine. That was the truth, right? That was the truth. When I was oh, third was, year. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So, so my mind was obviously working incorrectly, but I got the right answer. So that's <laughs> it. Michael, tell us your two middle names. Philip Anthony. Um, they come, my mom wanted Anthony. My dad's middle name is already Philip. So I have like, uh, I already have like four first names in a way. So my full name is Michael Philip Anthony Williams. I um, love it. And so, yeah, that's how those two came about. What was growing up in New York City like? It was, I was born in the South Bronx. Um, I guess people would still would be considered that as the, the ghetto. It was, in growing up, my, I had access to my um, both parents. They weren't together. So I grew up mostly with my mom and visit my dad on the weekends. And so 
when she was working two or three jobs, she was trying to, she was going for her bachelor's and then master's. She ended up becoming uh, a teacher, actually, to a uh, master's in education. Um, and so throughout the time, she was always trying to find ways that was better for us. And we just sort of just kept on moving to where she had better opportunities to teach. And then so now, not everybody knows this, but unfortunately, she is not working now. She developed sarcoidosis and it just got really bad. And so she is basically um, just not working anymore. So my dad is my dad is doing good, though. I'm proud that I was able to have both him both parents in my, my life growing up. None of them are physicians. My, my mother is a teacher. My dad was a mechanic growing up. So really sort of humble patients when I was um, growing up. And I tend to be more of my dad than my mom. My mom is very like straightforward and like need to get this. And my dad is more like, let's think about it and just very kind of more relaxed. So I kind of tend to be more half his personality. In general, I'm really proud to have both as parents, both to teach me and kind of guide me out the way. And when I told them I was doing medicine, they had no objections. Uh, we don't have any family, like physicians in our specific family. So going around and seeing volunteering and basically getting the opportunities to do that when I was in Buffalo or wheresoever um, really helped me like forge and steal that decision into my head um, and apply going forward. So that's fantastic. Well, and you are going to be a great mentor for countless other people through PathBot mm-hmm. and through your other work to inspire them to consider medicine. Yes, that's yeah. wonderful. Well, yes, I, I I hope that more students like Colin do join pathology. It's just that um, it's really uh, sad. I don't know if you guys remember years ago there was a study that was done in England and people thought that pathologists were in a lab, like in a basement. And it was just that. So really, really glad that social media has helped me and everybody else kind of get together and show that we're not just people sticking in the basement and lurking around in the dark. Um, But also for me, other black students as well, I really do want to encourage them to go into pathology. I have friends who are doing medicine, but pathology wasn't one of them. So that's also one of my, goals as well. I'm really glad you said that. Do yeah. you have any resources that you recommend for uh, people of color who are considering pathology or medicine or things that you thought were very helpful as you were going through your training? Resources wise, I think for, for those who do have access to the web, I think I just literally, I googled pathology, I googled medicine. I think I've had people who tell me to sort of like uh, shadow in, in physician offices. So if there's any physicians near you or somebody who's willing to take you on to shadow, I think that that would be good. I think one of the, one of the things is that to have good mentors and good resources, um, uh, well, good mentors to kind of guide you along the way and where to go. Um, and sometimes that's really difficult when people don't understand where you're coming from and, and in a way, unfortunately, stereotype you because of where you're from. So I think that the pathology community in general, if there is a student of color who is interested, I would say really reach out to them. Definitely having that mentorship and somebody like Dr. Mirza and, and Colin seeing you guys, that's amazing. Um, having that kind of way established so that, you know, they can go on and hopefully get more blacks or people of color into pathology um, and truly have a representative and diverse physician staff. Right. Are there tips that you have you could share with us as faculty members of what we can do individually to help support? Yeah. Uh, I think in general, just being a listening voice, and I think we all do have sort of a 
implicit bias, which unfortunately does get into the realm of stereotypes that people have of things. Not saying everybody does it consciously, but unfortunately it is something that we all struggle with going forward. So I would say just be listening if you have somebody, I mean, of course, getting any student interested in pathology is one of the hard parts. Like if there are people who are just like, hey, like who are interested whatsoever and you see them, definitely grab them. Those are future gems, in my opinion. It's definitely something I want to hopefully do in in the future as being a mentor and like being maybe a role model as well. And if you guys see anybody who is just interested and um, they can definitely follow me on Twitter, I'm up to talk to DMs. um, And we have also like, for example, Dr. FNA, who's really been on Twitter as well too. She's really been encouraging at that. And we've been seeing students coming out the woodwork saying, I want to do pathology and pathology is awesome. So um, just a small things in terms of being, you know, maybe a mentor or maybe guiding them towards where they want to do. I would, I would say for sure, listen to them, grab them up, just say, this in pathology is awesome. <laughs> really come join the workforce and, you know, help physicians and patients in the future in that aspect. So basically just, if you see anybody who's interested, grab them up. So can you tell us about a mentor that had an impact on your choice to go into medicine or pathology? So when I was in grad school and I was finishing grad school, I didn't know what my prospects were because I was like, where do I go next? Do I go back home to New York City or the Bronx? And so I met, I randomly just happened to bump into one of my mentor, future mentor, Dr. Underwood. So he's a urologist. He's in Buffalo, New York. And so we started talking and he was like, I have this coordinator position if you want. And so he was trying to, he was really showing me things about medicine and really encouraging me to do it. And it's interesting because one of his mentors was actually the previous chair of the SUNY Upstate Pathology Department, Dr. Gregory Three, who was also one of the, I think, only black chairs that was at this department. And so in a way, I kind of like met Dr. Three and then I came here to SUNY Upstate and kind of had that continued mentorship through through kind of texting or also through social media as well too. But so that was my that was my first mentor. He was really good because we understood each other and he was able to kind of guide me and tell me what to do, tell me where to go and like just basically be really encouraging throughout medical school because it is definitely a grueling process mm-hmm. <laughs> that everybody I'm sure can relate to going forward. You know, I when I graduated medical school, I was one of six, seven black students. There were some Hispanics mm-hmm. as well. It was a, it's a win, but also a loss at the same time, because it's great that we have seven, eight, eight black students going up into um, medicine, but at the same time, when in a class of uh, close to like 130, 140, you know, the percentage of that is just really, is that really representative of what mm-hmm country is in general so this is really important i'm glad you shared i think you're right mentorship is so important and you need more than one mentor thanks so much for sharing that yeah thank you for letting me talk about it i think i think that's so important the point you make of mentorship and sponsorship and i really hope that one of the things that we as a pathology community can do is using social media to not only Mm -hmm. show the, the breadth and depth of our field and our, right. our enthusiasm, but also actually offer a way for people to directly connect with individuals there where, yeah. you know, you might be on opposite sides of the country in totally different programs, but in that space of social media, there's a way to see each other and connect with each other. So I'm, I'm really thankful that you brought that up. 
Yeah, no, it, it, I think without, I don't know, without social media, of course, I don't think I would even be a part of this. You guys would be like those famous pathologists on social media. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I heard about them. And I'm like fangirling it aside when I see one of y'all. Uh, <laughs> but it's been, it's well, been really good in terms of being able to get a community going forward. I'm excited to see all the people you're going to impact and, and you've definitely inspired us through the, through this discussion. Thank you for letting me share that. Thank you. All right, so it's it's uh, it's Colin's turn to stump Dr. Mirza. Okay. This is going to be hard because I feel like he knows so much about me from everything that we've done. Um, but let's see. So my two truths and a lie. I was in the pre-PA program in undergrad, physician assistant. I was a music major, and I love cilantro. Oh, that's um, all right. So I do know that he has a musical background. Uh, so I'm not going to. So that, that one's true. Um, you do not love cilantro. You're right. Oh, my I God. I actually hate it. Yes, cilantro is the worst. It's horrible. Oh gosh, I love cilantro. It's so terrible. It ruins everything. Yeah. Oh. But I just want to say yeah. I love yeah. how cute Kamran is. And even, like, on herbs and stuff, he's still looking at his toes. What do yeah. you have written no, down? I love Show it. us. I can't see him, but Dr. Mirza <laughs> is no literally way. writing notes. Like, we can see him writing notes because he is going to gunner this. He is with very us. serious. He is triangulating the correct answer. I was actually just going to say that he got both of them right, and so he wins a PathPod ruler, but he's taking notes, so he already knows that. <laughs> that is wonderful. Colin, what instrument do you, do you play? Well, in high school, I played trumpet, um, but I actually switched over in undergrad, and I was doing vocal performance. Oh, so fantastic. I went in as a uh, vocal performance major with in the pre-PA program. So I was doing all of the classes to become a physician assistant. Wow. Okay, so if you hate cilantro, is there an herb that really speaks to you? Mm. Is there an herb that really speaks to me? See, I love mint and I love rosemary, but I think my favorite yes. would be basil. Right basil. Basil. Yeah. All right, well, I think it's time um, for you and I, Christina, to be put on the hot seat. I'm See, ready. Time. So we have asked our special guest, Dr. Mirza, to bring some fun facts or quizzes with which to stump Christina and I. And I have to say, I am nervous because he is looking very, very excited and slightly he's taking this right now. extremely seriously, which is I'm so excited. I about. feel like he's been like, like virtually like tenting his hands like Mr. Yes, Burns this yes. entire past week. So. <laughs> All right. And I will not be able to stump you. But so I have three questions. Two of them are MCQs. And then the last one will be a two truths and a lie. Mm. All right. And this is going to be very, very exciting. So I thought that I'm going to ask you something about anatomy. That's the first one, because obviously organization re required anatomy. The second one will be a little bit to do with Pakistan. So that might be difficult, but you'll get it, I think. And then the last one is about me and the two truths and a lie. All right. So we're going to start. Are you guys ready? Ready. All right. We'll be. Number one, the anatomic terms tympanum, salpinx, and tibia all have origin in which of the following? Is it architecture, musical instruments, fabrics, or transport? 
even though I really, really want it to be fabrics because I love crafting and fabrics, um, I'm going to go. I, tympanicum means drum. That's right. Um, I don't know uh, what, oh, I forget what Sal thinks and tibia mean. Um, but yes, so I'm going to go with music. Christina? Ding, ding, ding. Yes, music. I was, I was, I don't know if you saw my notes, but I wrote music. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Salpinx is actually an ancient Greek trumpet. And then, and then a tibia is a type of flute. We are now yeah. on to Pakistan-related trivia, which would be interesting. Uh, so, uh, here's a question. The words flipper, googly, and dusra are all types of what? Are they freshwater fish in Pakistan? Curse words in Pakistan? Techniques in cricket bowling? or popular Pakistani website engines. Like I want to say they're curse words, but that's Ooh. just because my mind is a foul. I'm like, really thinking looks, cricket. It's like Mr. Dr. Arnold has some suggestions. Yeah, I, I think Christina's idea to go with cricket is a pretty good one. But I love yes. the curse words. Yes. I love it. I love the idea that Dr. Mirza would just come on here and like <laughs> curse at us. That's the I kind of energy I'm, he would bring. <laughs> I think I might start using flipper as an expletive. So it is, so they're all bowling techniques, right? So in oh. cricket, the person who is actually throwing the ball is the bowler. Mm -hmm. And you have a fast bowling technique and also a spin bowling technique. So these three, flipper, googly, and dusra, are all oh, types wow. of spin balls. All right, so you guys are two for two. You are amazing, as I expected. Uh, so the last one is two truths and a lie. And this you might actually want to take notes on because they're short, but kind of long sentences. All right, yeah. number one. The Hindu Kush is an 800 kilometer mountain range that stretches through Afghanistan from its center to northern Pakistan. So the fact is that when I was 14 years old, I trekked this mountain range walking 400 kilometers between two major cities and also crossed a pass, which is at 15,000 feet. Wow. All right. Next, next clue. Next one. In 1997, Princess Diana visited Pakistan to attend a fundraiser organized by the famous cricketer and current Prime Minister Imran Khan for the recently opened cancer hospital. So Imran Khan had opened a cancer hospital in recognition of his mom. And so during this trip, Princess Diana visited some schools, and it was at that time that I had the opportunity of meeting her, shaking her hand when she visited my high school. Wow. And the third one is the Persian king Babur was the founder of the Mughal Empire and the first emperor of the Mughal dynasty in the Indian subcontinent. And I am a direct descender, descendant of King Babur. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. I oh, feel like it can't <laughs> I feel like it can't be two because we would have seen a picture by now. I feel like we know you enough that you would have shown us a, a picture. So it was so you so you know what I think I like this. So we can go back and forth on trying to prove the claim. So in nineteen ninety seven though, I did not have a cell phone and in general people didn't have a lot of cell phones. So I think that's mm. the reason there's no picture. Mm. Oh, and like wow. usually you wouldn't have like just like a random camera at school with you if you were a school kid, right? That's so true. But you know, there was a photographer, like an official photographer, because you know, we were all part of the equestrian guard. So the college that I went to had a had an equestrian guard and I was actually sitting on a horse and yeah. And there was I feel oh like sadder and sadder that there's not a picture of this possibly imaginary <laughs> event. I, I want it to like be true are... and I want there to be a photo of like baby oh, Kamran on, right, on a horse behind Princess Die that... because that's just 
That's just epic. I think what I would like even more is imagining him coming up with all of these details (laughs) and it not being true. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Storyteller. I mean, I know know Kamran to be an excellent storyteller and a deep thinker. So, uh, I mean, his lies would be more believable than I think many of our truth. Well, I feel like the details in story one and two, or there are more details in story three. So um, if that adds anything. I just feel like the first two are even more ridiculous than the third one, which seems relatively mundane by comparison. So kind of thinking about like Kamran's enthusiasm for this game, I feel like the really ridiculous ones are the most true ones. And yes. So I'm, I'm, I agree. I'm thinking that it's three as well. Yeah, I had three. So, yes. So yes. so that's, not, all right. So to clarify, you do not think that I'm a direct descendant of the Persian king. Well, Bob. now you say it that I mean, way. I'm not insulted at all, but, but I just wanted to clarify. That's the one you choose. That's the one I that choose. That one's not true. It just has less details than the other two. So that's, it stood out to me. The other two are so ridiculous. I mean, really. So it's actually true. My, uh, yeah, so my paternal grandfather, actually, before he passed, he, he traced the lineage all the way back up to uh, Emperor Babur. Wow. So it's actually pretty wow. amazing. So Babur's son, like his first son, his name is Akbar, and he became the king. So I don't come from Akbar, though. I come from his, like, less well-known son. Wow. wow. You, you should literally totally... descended from royalty. That's amazing. I mean, what I would say is you should really be dropping that in on the regular. You should be like, yeah. I would be like, um, I'll have some egg rolls. And by the way, I am I the emperor, direct, direct descendant. Yeah. Yes, exactly. yes. It's, it's, uh, it's a very interesting history in the Indian subcontinent of the of the Mughal emperors. Obviously, there's they're very controversial figures, but they rule for like a long time, like almost like 800 years or something, like their children and their children upon children. Wow. So actually, my name, Mirza, means the family of Mir, which also is like, I think, related to it. So I wouldn't have believed it, but my grandfather had actually done this whole thing. I should probably go home back to Pakistan and take a picture. So which one is it, number one or number two? Oh, gosh. I would like to phone a friend. Colin, has he ever mentioned Princess Di? No, but I was just imagining it would probably be number one. (laughs) Is the lie? So it's yeah. interesting because, you know, that seems like a really long trek. And, right. but I, and I like that he put in the detail of the really high pass. That's right. I don't mm-hmm. know if Dr. Mirza is scared of heights or if heights is a thing he doesn't like. Um, so I feel like that detail could go both ways. It could be part true, part lie. I think two is true. My guess is one is false. So actually, two is false. One is what? False. Are you serious? Tell us, how did this go? Was this all mm-hmm. one trek, or how did so you do this? My high school, kind of. So our schooling system is different. So we have like a trek that used to go up to the northern areas from my city, and I was fourteen, and we did it over two weeks. We slept in tents. We carried our own tents. We had um, porridge for breakfast and potatoes for everyday dinner. I lost a bunch of weight. The pass is 15,000 feet and we walked like nonstop. When we were at the pass, we walked nonstop almost for like 20 hours because we had to get over to the other side nonstop. But it was an unbelievable experience, like super unbelievable experience. The Hindu Kush range is uh, close to the Karakuram range. So like this is where the second highest peak of the world, uh, you know, is. It's called K2. So it's really sad. I wish I had met Princess Diana. 
part of the story is true. She obviously was there uh, on Imran Khan's invitation in 1997. She came uh, for a fundraiser for that cancer hospital, and it, she obviously like raised a lot of money. And we were on her uh, on her travel route actually, and we were an equestrian guard. We were standing on our horses, but she had so we. So I went to an all boys school, like, you know, it's an all boys kind of preparatory school in Pakistan. And then there was an all girls college and she was running very late. So she decided that she wanted to go meet the girls, which makes sense. Uh, and so her motorcade passed by, we were all waiting on our horses and she slowed down and she waved from like far away. And then she went directly to the girls college. And so we missed it. Did we get anything right, Sarah? Uh Mm, yes. No. We got. We got the. Uh, we got the two trivia questions. We got those. Oh, we did. Okay. Okay. We just. Okay. Uh, we were just fooled by Dr. Mirza's amazing that was good. abilities. We were all fooled. It was so good. So good. guys did so good. I'm going to send you guys. Oh, amazing. Pathboard magnets. I still have a prizes. Congratulations. Yay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mirza. And uh, Cullen and I are also going to send you guys Path Elective ones too. So. Oh my gosh. Thank you. We're so excited for Path Elective to launch. Yes, yes. Congratulations. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. We're all done with games, and Yay. everyone did fantastic. Thank you all so, so much for being part of our quiz show today. And I hope that everyone stays safe, and we will see yeah. you all out on the Twitter sphere and uh, in your future careers. So, yeah. bye, everyone. Bye, bye. Can I say one more thing before I go? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, no, please. Uh, I don't know if we said this, but happy Pride Month. Everybody yes, is happy, Pride. Pride. happy Pride Month. Yes, yes, happy, that's yeah. right. Happy Pride Month. Listening, yeah. I know the that's world is like great. going ablaze, but happy Pride Month. I'm so glad you said that. And, you know, check out PathPod News Edition, where Dr. Meredith Pittman is featuring themes related to Pride Month. So we really want to celebrate that. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for so making much. this work. You guys are amazing. <laughs>